Hello, happy Halloween, and welcome to Sabrina Revisited, an after-show podcast on Netflix's Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. My name is Nicole, and I will be your guide this evening on all things witchy and catty in Greendale. Let's get started, where I review episode one, October County. October County is written by Roberto Aguera-Scaza, who is also the writer of the comics, and is directed by Lee Tolan Krieger. IMDb.com reminds us that, as Sabrina's Sweet Sixteen nears, Sabrina must choose between the witch world of her family and the human world of her friends. I have to start off this podcast with a correction. In my eagerness to get my episodes out to you on time, I realized soon after I posted the trailer that I mispronounced Kiernan Shipka's last name. It was a rookie mistake, and I'm sorry. I hope you can forgive me. We begin with the main titles, which are fabulous. I always love when a production leans into their source material. I figured the first episode was the best time to address them, since we all know everyone skips over them after the first episode. Boy, do these main titles deliver. Each clip is art from the covers. I noticed this when I did research for the icon in this podcast. I did a quick image search and got some images of a lot of the cover art on the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina comic. And when I clicked on to the Netflix series, I was surprised to discover that all of the art in the main titles comes from the comics. I plan on letting you in on the plots for each one of the comics that are featured in the main titles, but the spoilers were too great, and I'd never be the one to do that to you. No spoilers here. These podcasts are a capsule for each episode, so we'll just talk about the art. Sabrina's yellow eyes in the first clip come from issue number three. In the next clip, a woman with skulls for eyes is very noticeable. She is also in a variant cover for issue number five. The Spellman Mortuary is showcased in issue number seven. The skulls with tentacles play a couple of times in the main titles. You can find instances of these in the bonus art of the issue one reprint. Sabrina floating off the ground is from the original cover to issue number five. Sabrina as a half skull, half face is from issue number eight. A red skull with hands outstretched is one from issue number four. In the main titles, there's a baby added. Maybe it's Sabrina? And finally, the original teenage witch makes an appearance with a hyphen between teen and aged. She was drawn by Dan DiCarlo, who, as you've probably guessed when you look at it, also drew the characters from Josie and the Pussycats. The final titles, Sabrina with the Baxter Varsity Letter Sweater, is from issue two and leaves a very lasting impression as we get into the details of the episode. What year is it? This is a question I also find myself asking when I watch Riverdale. I remember reading somewhere that Riverdale intentionally keeps the year ambiguous. I laughed when Chilling Adventures put up a title card that said, of this year. 
Thanks, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I think we're keeping that same vague timeline as Riverdale. However, there is a very clear timeline in the comics. Sabrina's 16th birthday is on October 31st, 1964, and there are mid-60s references in the show. For example, Aunt Zelda's cigarette holder. Instruments like these were popular from the 50s and well into the mid-60s. She also uses a tanning mirror, which was popularized in the 1970s. Sabrina carries a thermos at Baxter High that is reminiscent of the thermos remodel from 1970, but there are flaws. It could be argued that Anzelda is an older witch. We're not exactly sure how old, but it's safe to say that she keeps objects from older periods of time that are familiar to her. She always has that cigarette holder around, so that would track. Meanwhile, the biggest naysayer is Ambrose, who can be seen out on the Spellman patio working on a 1990s era computer. Can someone please explain that to me? I had to rewind and watch it twice to make sure that's what I was seeing. This threw a major wrench into the whole timeline and left me wondering if the Riverdale CAOS team is messing with me. Conclusion, they most definitely are. Sabrina's first appearance is in an October 1962 Archie's Madhouse issue. She got her own comic in 1971, and then they transferred her likeness to an Archie Horror imprint that debuted in 2013. In the Archie Horror issue, she brings Jughead's dog Hot Dog back to life. The great thing is, this new imprint opened the door for Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the comic series which began in Sabrina's childhood years and then later her teenage years set in 1964. This comic series, of course, led to the Netflix show. I'm going to change gears here. I wanted to take some time in the first episode to discuss the history of the Salem witch trials. When I first had the idea for the series, I promised myself I'd only watch one episode at a time to make each episode I record more authentic. Honestly, I just got so into it, I ended up finishing the whole thing the first weekend it was released. Sorry, guys. As I said, I will try my best to avoid spoilers. You'll find the history of the Salem Witch Trials becomes very important throughout the first part, so I figured I'd cover it as a basis in the first episode. Here we go! The Salem Witch Trials happened in 1691 when two very bored little girls went to their housekeeper Tichuba for some entertainment. She provided that with a tale about magic and witches. Soon after, the girls began to experience strange symptoms that spread to other classmates. The parents got worried and, since they were also super bored in colonial Massachusetts, the witch hunt began. Now, this is a really simplified take of the reasons behind the Salem Witch Trials. There were different motives at play besides boredom. Mostly that the last words from Tichuba before she was hung were, I am not the only witch among you. This fueled the flames, but some more history will illuminate other symptoms of hysteria that fueled the trials. The witch trials really started with Francis Bacon's rebellion in the same year. There's no need to bore you with the details. But basically, the rebellion led to a shift that brought the colonies closer to interdependence between themselves and the British Empire. This was almost fine, as a majority of communists were living on densely populated farmland as practicing Puritans. Keep in mind that there are some pockets of Jewish and Protestant colonists, but Puritans didn't really care for them. One or two revolutions later, again, no need to bore you with the details here, inspired by a ginormous revolution that occurred in Great Britain at around the same time, 
Colonials implemented the English Toleration Act of 1690, which upheld trends of religious tolerance and equality for all. Particularly, they stressed the equality between Puritans and Protestants. Basically, it ignited the eventual separation between church and state. All of this, interestingly, sets the stage for the Salem Witch Trials. These trials were a direct attack on Protestants from the Puritans and in response to the Tolerance Act. Male leaders wanted to reassert the patriarchy. <clears throat> male Puritans did not like the idea of equality for all and wanted to reaffirm the vitality of religion in the fabric of daily life. 150 men and women were tried as witches during the trials, but the trials were ill-fated for a majority of women. 20 died. 14 women and 6 men. One of the 14 was Tichuba. Here were some reasons you could be a witch or evil to the Puritan religion. 1. Not attending church. 2. Found partaking in any one of the seven deadly sins. 3. Spending time alone. 4. Reading, writing, singing. 5. Argumentative or expressing your opinion six believing the whole trial was a hoax to begin with after all this research i can see why the salem ridge trials were such a big deal it's clear that the trials targeted women found partaking in activities that pursued any type of freedom or intelligence the religious agenda only helped to justify the horrid activities of those who tried these innocent women and men this brings us back to Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, where 13 witches were hung in the Greendale witch trials. I'm sure for similar causes, but in this canon, the witches were actually witches who sacrificed themselves for the protection of the greater coven. Most of all, this history lesson illuminates the need for feminist discussion in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Sabrina's Club Wicca helps to give women their voice and fight against their obviously misogynist principle. Aunt Zelda, too, is often the feminist voice later in the series, as she discusses why power, magic or no, in the hands of women matters so much. All in all, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina was so good. I am so excited to continue to walk through it all with you. Until the next adventure. Research was provided by YouTube videos from Christina Edgar and Crash Course World History.